I'm starting the second mile of a walk. I've got 50 pounds in my backpack. It's starting to feel heavy. I'm ready to take this thing off. Why am I doing this? Well, I wanted to take Jesus' command of going the extra mile literally. That phrase, that going the extra mile, is one that we use a lot in our English language. You may not even realize it has biblical roots to it. We often use it talking about um, working extra hard or um, going above and beyond expectations. I think when Jesus talked about going the extra mile, he wasn't talking about hard work or being a good citizen or a good helper. I think he was talking about power. In the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus brings up the topic of how we handle our enemies and retaliation. Matthew 5, 38. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it for two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And in that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. Love your enemies. It's probably one of the most ignored commands of Jesus. And for good reason. It makes no sense. It goes against every instinct we have when every part of our being seeks to protect ourselves by inflicting harm and stopping the person that's opposed to us. I mean, why should we seek the betterment of somebody who's actively trying to harm us? But the truth is, loving your enemies is exactly what Jesus did. The gospel, the heart of the gospel is made possible because Jesus loved his enemies. Jesus conquered the world not with a sword, but with a cross. We underestimate the subversive power of love. We get hung up because we think that by loving our enemies, we're actually condoning their actions. Right? We say, oh, there's no way I can love my enemy because if I do that, then I'm going to allow him or her to perpetuate more harm against me. I have to take a stand. I have to take a stand against the evil and the wrong that they're doing by whatever means necessary so that they don't perpetuate that. And we try to fight force with force, violence with violence, hate with hate. And we underestimate how powerful love is. Love, choosing to love your enemy is exactly how you're going to stand against the evil and the injustices of the world. That brings us back to going the extra mile. In the Sermon on the Mount, before Jesus mentions loving your enemies, he gives three situations. Three situations that we actually draw phrases from in our common language 
to go the extra mile, to give them the shirt off your back, to turn the other cheek. And I think we misunderstand what's going on there and how that connects to this idea of loving our enemies. Because each phrase that we use in commonly in our language takes on a different meaning when you look at it in its historical context. Let's start with go the extra mile. Jesus said, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it for two miles. You see, ancient Rome was the political and military superpower of its day. Having occupied much of Europe and the Middle East, Rome built uh, an extensive roadway that allowed its military to move quickly and efficiently through its occupied territories. Uh, And similar to the interstate system today, each road had a mileage marker marking the distance um, back to Rome. Roman soldiers, as they marched, carried an estimated 40 to 80 pounds of gear with them, uh, marching for 20 plus miles a day. So a Roman soldier was allowed to force somebody living in those occupied territories to carry his gear to make it uh, easier for them to move along more efficiently. They could grab somebody and script them, force them to serve them, to carry the gear for them. But by Roman law, he could only force them to carry the gear for one mile. This is the context Jesus is speaking into when he talks about going the extra mile. It's an image his listeners would be very familiar with. Probably many of them had been forced to carry gear multiple times in their life as well. So think about, think about if you are in their shoes and this Roman soldier interrupts your daily routine, pulls you away from your job or your family and forces you to carry his gear. But more than an inconvenience, this is a humiliating reminder of your powerlessness. You are at the mercy of this Roman soldier. You have to carry the very gear that was used to occupy and subjugate your people through sheer military power. You have to carry gear that was paid for by the oppressive taxation of your people. And yet you have no power to do anything against it. Your only hope is knowing that there is an end to your humiliation. And you are counting down the steps to where that one mile marker, it closes in. And you finally reach the mile marker. What do you do, right? You drop the gear as soon as you reach that mile marker and you immediately leave. The soldier's power ends there. And you don't want to help him one more step than you have to, right? Not according to Jesus. It's this moment that Jesus says, no, don't drop their gear. In fact, carry it for another mile. Wait, what? Willingly help my enemy? The Roman soldier held all the power in the first mile. But the question is, who holds the power in the second? When it's your choice to willingly help, you take the power away from your oppressor. When you choose to love them by serving them, it's your choice. You hold the power and now the suppressor holds no power in you. That's going the extra mile. How about giving them the shirt off your back? Jesus says, if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. So if a Jew was sued in court and his shirt was taken, it's likely that he had very little property to begin with, probably somebody in poverty. 
So the context that Jesus is talking about seems to be a person of wealth taking advantage of a person of little means. The Old Testament law actually protected those in poverty by prohibiting their outer garment from being taken. Exodus twenty two twenty six says, if you take your neighbor's cloak as security for a loan, you must return it before sunset. This coat may be the only blanket your neighbor has. How can a person sleep without it? If you do not return it and your neighbor cries out to me for help, then I will hear for I am merciful. So Jesus is saying that if somebody is, is taking advantage of you, trying to, to sue you for all that you have, Go ahead and give them your coat too, leaving you naked. And by willingly giving up your cloak, your nakedness then exposes their greed. For the Jews, nakedness was taboo, but the shame fell not on the person that was naked as much as it was the person who caused the nakedness. So again, by choosing to to give and to serve you are shifting the power dynamics and exposing the greed of this person, of your enemy that's uh, opposed against you. How about turning the other cheek? Jesus says, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer your other cheek also. So Jesus begins by quoting a law that limits retaliation to fit the original trespass. It's an Old Testament law, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Now that is something that we can get behind. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, it makes sense. It has a sense of justice to it. It just feels right. It feels fair. But Jesus uses that law as a launching point and then encourages his followers to take it further, to, to turn the other cheek. So is he saying that we're just supposed to be a punching bag for somebody? To let somebody walk all over us and and abuse us? Muhammad Ali famously said, I believe in the eye for an eye business. I'm no cheek turner. I got no respect for a man who won't hit back. You kill my dog, you better hide your cat. Right? That that's something we can get behind. That makes sense. But turning the other cheek, that that just doesn't. So what's going on here? In Jewish culture, a person would strike another with their right hand. Now notice the specifics that Jesus said. He said, if someone strikes you on the right cheek. So to strike somebody's right cheek would mean that you would have to hit them with a backhanded slap. So this wasn't, this wasn't a boxing match. This wasn't um, you know somebody, uh, two equals, duking it out. No, Jesus is talking about an insulting and degrading slap to put somebody in their place, most likely a master to a slave. Right? It's a person of power striking an inferior. And it's in this situation that Jesus says then to turn the other cheek. And by willingly offering your left cheek to be struck, you're forcing the other person to now strike you as an equal. The power dynamics have shifted. Plus, it's an opportunity as you are turning your head to look at them in the eyes so that they can see you and see your sacred humanity. The foundational motivation behind each of these three responses to conflict, I believe, is love. To love your enemies. So when Jesus says, love your enemies, he's picturing the power of love to change the dynamics at play. 
No other way does this. When facing injustice and an imbalance of power, the natural response is to fight back against your enemy, right? To take your pound of flesh, to get what's yours and give them what's coming. That's the eye for an eye mentality. That's the dominant reaction of the world we live in. But as Gandhi so astutely pointed out, an eye for an eye will leave the whole world blind. And Jesus' answer, Jesus' answer to stand against the injustices and the imbalances of the world, to get stand against the abuses of power, the answer that Jesus gives is love. Love your enemies. And on the surface, that seems so weak and so limiting and seems like it's just going to allow the abuse to continue. But love is anything but weak. There is incredible, subversive, transforming power in love. That's the brilliance of the way of Jesus, that he offers a way to fight the evils of the world without mirroring them. The subversive power of love is, is a third option. It's neither aggression nor passivity. It's not fight nor flight. By choosing to willingly love and serve your enemy, the outcome is that you take the power away from your oppressor and you are declaring that Jesus is the one whom you serve and that Jesus is the ultimate power and the ultimate judge who ultimately is going to bring about justice in the world because Jesus, Jesus conquered the world not with a sword, but with a cross. And love communicates more powerfully than aggression ever could. The power of going the extra mile, giving the shirt off your back and turning the other cheek is that by choosing, choosing the way of love instead of aggression or instead of passivity, you are, you're actually responding in a way that's so unexpected, so countercultural that it throws everything out of balance. And I believe that truly loving someone else through the love of Christ actually acts as a mirror in which they can see themselves more honestly. It's a way to point out the, the injustices of the world, not by shouting with anger, but through humble acts of service and love. And that's a way to grab somebody's attention more than anything. I'm not saying that love is some kind of tool that you manipulate to get your way. Uh, it's not some kind of a weapon that you wield. Love is, is a position of your heart, of God working through you, that you truly want the best for that other person, that you truly want to respond to them in kindness, that you truly are not keeping track of the wrongs. And when you choose to love, then it changes everything. It changes the dynamics um, and I'm just saying that the love, we often discount it because we think, um, we think that it's not a valid option because it's going to allow the other person to perpetuate their evil. But actually taking a stand of love, I believe, is the most powerful way to stop it, to expose it, to help the other person see that, to help it be a, a mirror for the other person to, to see what's truly going on in, in the world and bring about real change. Love is powerful. And love never fails. So my question, because I believe it starts with us, starts with you, starts with me. In this moment, who, who is your enemy? Who is somebody that you feel is actively opposing you, 
that that is causing harm to you, somebody in this moment that you are angry with and frustrated with or hate, that person, your enemy, how can you go the extra mile and willingly choose to serve and love your enemy? Instead of choosing the path of aggression or the path of passivity, what would it look like in your situation to choose a third way of love? So may we choose to go the extra mile. May we choose to give the shirt off of our backs. May we choose to turn the other cheek. And may we be people of love. May we choose the hard, difficult path of trying to figure out how to love our enemies when it goes against everything inside of us. May we choose to act in love because love never fails. Hey, I want to say thank you for listening to this episode of the Walk On Podcast. I hope it was challenging to you. If you found this podcast helpful, you can help others find it too by uh, rating and leaving a review on your podcast provider. So funny story. As I was out hiking around my house with 50 pounds of water jugs in my backpack and recording equipment strapped on, uh, I actually got stopped by the sheriff. I don't know if uh, he had genuine concern for me because uh, I was sweaty and out of breath. <laughs> he wanted to make sure I was okay. Uh, or if he had concern for um, some weird guy walking around town with a backpack and recording equipment. Okay, all right. Yeah. We went by and I said, yeah. Oh, we just better make sure he's all right. So. Yeah, no, I'm good. I appreciate all right. it. Have a great day, sir. Thanks.